Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 34 of A Yank on the Footy. I'm Craig Wessels from Sandusky, Ohio, and I'm glad that you're listening. I hope that you'll consider sharing my podcast with your friends and family. There are quite a few great and a couple sad stories to get into this weekend, so I'm going to dive right into them. I hope that you'll consider uh, going to the Apple Podcast site and giving my podcast a review. I'd love to hear what you think of the show. Remember, you can reach me at yank underscore on on Twitter, as well as at a yank on the footy at gmail.com. And you can find me on Instagram and on Facebook at a yank on the footy. Now, I'm not going to spend a lot of time talking about it, but I did want to mention that I do have the uh, email sign-up sheet still on the show notes page if you want to sign up. I believe we're at about 16 or 17 people that have signed up, so they're going to get this episode as soon as it's done. I would love to have you on that list. I've actually begun exploring a little bit uh, with regards to creating a merch store, if you will, on one of the websites, possibly having some t-shirts and stickers and things of that nature, uh, looking at doing some of the the creation of, of some of the things that would go on there. Of course, it would be the little image that I have on the podcast as well. But uh, those people would certainly hear about that first. And uh, if you want to sign up, please feel free to do so. Now, some some very interesting stories going on this week. One of them that is not surprising, but uh, Gary Ablett left the Perth hub and headed back home to Melbourne. And uh, after the uh, the Pies loss this past weekend, uh, Gary Ablett stepped away from the club and headed back home to be with his wife and to be with his son Levi, who is battling an illness. And from what I've read, his wife is also, sorry, his wife's mother is also dealing with an illness of her own. So in many ways, she was rather overwhelmed with what was going on. And I can't fault Gaz's decision in the least, okay? You know, and if any of you have thought, wow, it was wrong for him to head home, and hopefully there's nobody that's doing that because I've not seen anyone on social media anywhere that has said that this was a bad idea on his part. But you need not look any further than the photo that his wife posted when they picked him up at the airport. And I posted a link to that photo in the show notes. Um, That photo just... It's going to melt your heart if you haven't seen it yet. And I and I would be shocked, you know, if you're a, a fan in Australia, I would be shocked if you haven't seen this photo because I'm sure it has been everywhere in the media. And here in the United States, you know, Gary Ablett, if you're just new to the game, Gary Ablett is, well, how would I best describe him? He's kind of the, uh, in many ways, the, one of the greatest to ever play the game. You know, I don't want to say that he's Tom Brady necessarily because Brady has had a lot of success and won a lot of championships. Now, Gary Ablett Jr. did that early on in his career. Then he left and went to Gold Coast for a few years before he's kind of come back for his swan song with his original club, the Cats. You know, so, but he's one of the greatest to ever play the game. So if you're, especially if you're a U.S. listener or an international listener and you've not seen this photo yet, if you take a look at it, you're going to understand why he got on that plane and flew home. And, you know, as a cat supporter, of course, I hope he comes back to the club. I hope he does. And I think anybody that's a fan of the game hopes he comes back. But let's be honest, ladies and gentlemen, Gary Ablett doesn't owe us a thing. He doesn't owe the game anything either. And if he never puts the hoops on again, 
he's provided us with a lifetime of, of great memories and and we just have to be prepared to accept the fact that he may not be back and that may be the decision he makes now he may be back in five or six weeks up in gold coast or brisbane wherever the uh the cat's hub happens to be but there's a possibility we may not see gary ablett playing again that would be very sad and it would be a you know a, a terrible send-off for him although you know he did sort of have the the 350th game celebration a couple of weeks ago but we've got to be willing to accept the fact that he may be stepping away. I've not heard anything. I don't think there's anything out there. I'm sure that's not anything that he's even thinking about right now, but it's something that is a reality. He's 36 years old. Now, that's not old to me. I would love to be 36 again. Uh, but, uh, you know, in terms of footy age, that's that's getting up there. So he may decide that it's not worth putting the, uh, the the time back in to go back out again. And again, I have no idea what he's going to do. But, you know, we shall see what happens. You know, and, and I think I speak for everybody that we wish the absolute best for the outcome of Levi's illness as well as Gaz's mother-in-law and her health as well and hope that everything comes out and turns out to be okay. So we're pulling for you. We're praying for you. And sad to see you leave the team, but absolutely understand the decision to do so it's not something that that i think any of us would have hesitated to do ourselves if we had that opportunity now moving on to the next story ladies and gents i think yesterday we might be able to argue we saw what could have been the game of the year so far and it was was one that i thought was going to be one of the top games of the weekend and, uh, you know, I thought the Cats and the Pies game was going to be one, and the Cats really struggled. But the Carlton and Port Adelaide game was dynamite. And I'm not a, I'm not a supporter of either club. But again, as I've you know, said many times, I don't hate any club. I'm, I'm coming to the, to the game, to the sport so late in life that I don't have those deep-seated uh, hatreds or animosities towards another team. I like watching good footy, and that's what we saw yesterday with the power and the blues. Now, I had tipped the blues to win yesterday, so we'll get to that in a little while. But I think I can safely say that I was not the only person watching that game who was on the edge of their seat cheering you know, on the excitement in that game and just you know, watching you know, Eddie Betts do Eddie Betts things, who I, you know, I, I mentioned to somebody on Twitter for those of you who were in the uh, the States, you know, Eddie Betts is, is in the twilight of his career as well. But in the four years plus that I've been watching the game, I've not seen anybody better with a chaos ball. You know, a ball that is not a set shot or not anything that, you know, that you have really time to, to set your feet on at all to make a kick. I've not seen anybody kick a ball towards the goal any better than Eddie Betts in that type of a situation. It went back and forth all game long, and uh, it was, you know, it was an absolute ripper of a contest, you know, and, uh, you know, you had one team at the top of the ladder with the with the uh, power and one team that's trying to claw their way back up and get themselves back up towards respectability, which if you've got Carlton up on your schedule, and I, I'll, you know, we'll see who they play this week coming up here shortly, but, you know, if you, you know, weeks 9 through 12 are going to be coming out soon, but if you got Carlton coming up on your schedule, 
in the last few years, that was a game where you thought, okay, we've got this one. But now, a lot like Gold Coast, that's not one that you just mark down the W in your uh, on the fixture for yourself and credit yourself to four points. You've got to go out and compete with them because they're going to compete with you. And, you know, I, uh, I thought it was like a boxing match, quite frankly, yesterday, watching these two clubs battle back and forth with each other because they just kept pounding on one another. You know, you had a couple people, you know, a couple times where clubs, the clubs would move out to a, you know, goal or two lead, but it was back and forth and back and forth. And at the end of the game, you know, Port Adelaide had a number of opportunities. I think they missed three, you know, kicks on goal that ended up going for behinds. And they had a number of chances until, you know, you had the, uh, the final punch, if you will, from Robbie Gray. Now, I have to ask uh, those of you who are, are Blues fans, I'm sure you ran across it. Maybe you heard from somebody that, uh, you know, earlier in the week, about a week ago, Gary Lyons published uh, a piece where he re-ranked the 2018 AFL draft. Now, they've been doing that same thing here with the NFL for the last couple of months. And even in baseball, they've been doing this. They've been going back through every year since there was no baseball being played. There was no NFL being played or practiced at all. So they would go back and say, well, we're going to go ahead and redraft the 2004 draft and see who would have gone where based upon how they performed in their careers. Well, Gary Lyon did this with the one from a couple of years ago. And Sam Walsh, of course, was the number one pick. And he dropped Walsh from number one down to number six, ostensibly telling the Blues, hey, you got the wrong guy when you had the number one pick. So Blues fans, do you think Sam Walsh saw that article? Do you think that's what led to one of the most courageous marks that I've seen in a long time? I've not seen too many players attempt a mark like that. Sure, we see the players going up for Specky, up on the other players' back, that type of thing, jumping in a crowd, that sort of thing. But what Sam Walsh did yesterday was, to me, was flat-out amazing. I was stunned when I saw it happen. And thankfully, they showed it a few more times, and I posted a link to it if you didn't happen to catch the game so you can watch it there. I even posted a link to the uh, to the article uh, about... Uh, Gary Lyons list. Now, again, this is nothing, you know, against Gary Lyons at all. He knows infinitely more about the game than I do. He has an encyclopedia's worth of knowledge. I have three pieces of scrap paper in my pocket that went through the washing machine. So he knows a lot more about this game than I do. I'm, I'm not saying I know more than he does at all. I'm just saying that that might have been a little bit of a motivation for, for Sam Walsh. And who knows, maybe Max King, who he had put at number one, maybe Max King has been the best player. But that doesn't mean that the uh, that the uh, Blues made the wrong pick. It's not like they're the Cleveland Browns. Oh, wait, I'm a Browns fan. Sorry about that. Now, we're hopefully going to be getting the, the fixture for rounds 9 through 12 in the next day or two. You know, because we only know who's playing home through week eight through round eight other than that we don't know we don't know who we kind of have an idea of where we know that Adelaide and Port Adelaide are going to be staying at home for a while we know that Fremantle and West Coast are going to be staying home for a while but everybody else 
is likely to find themselves somewhere in Queensland. So, you know, it's going to be interesting to see what happens. It, it's, there's talk of them trying to compress the schedule to play more games in fewer days uh, to get basically four rounds of games into the maybe the span of what would be like three and a half weeks or three weeks worth of what would typically be a schedule. So they're talking about the possibility of there being a quicker turnaround for games. So say you played on a Sunday, you might play again on that following Thursday or maybe on that Friday. And then maybe if you played on that Friday, you might be playing again the following Wednesday or something of that nature. Because the talk is, is there, there's going to be 33 games being played over the next 19 days after round eight, not including round eight, but after round eight, that once the next round of games begins, it'll be 33 games in 19 days. So that's going to be, you know, a, a footy smorgasbord, if you will. And it's going to be yet another opportunity, I hope, for uh, the, you know, the growth of, of the fan base here in the United States as well. Um, but, you know, you have to wonder what kind of concessions are going to be made here. You know, are the players are going to need some some concessions of some sort, I would think, because of the, the distinct possibility of an increase in, in injury chances. Are they going to allow more players in the interchange, similar to what they do during the uh, the preseason games, during the exhibition games? Uh, are they going to allow six players in the interchange? Are they going to allow eight? Because these players aren't necessarily playing games anywhere else. So in one way, it would actually give players an opportunity to get more experience in a game situation or to get experience in a game situation because otherwise they may not be playing a game at all during the entire course of the season. So in some ways, this might actually help some clubs gauge the ability level of some of the players on their list. And who knows, you know, if they decide to to chop down the, the size of the list, if they go down to say 35 players or 38 players, teams should, you know, have the opportunity to figure out just who do we have can these people actually compete in an AFL game? Because they've not figured that out this year because they've not had the opportunity to really do it. So should should there be an increase in the uh, number of players in the interchanges? Should we uh, simply try to play the games at a regular interval and whenever the uh, grand final gets played, the grand final gets played? You know, it's it's looking more and more every day like it's not going to be played at the MCG this year. And supposedly there's, you know, bidding that's going to go on as to whether or not the game is played in uh, in Brisbane or in Perth or in Adelaide. Now Geelong even, you know, threw, in, threw their hat into the ring saying, sure, we'd like to go ahead and be part of the, the consideration here as well. And while they're not necessarily part of Melbourne, a lot of people consider them to be part of Melbourne. I don't believe Melbourne or I don't believe that Geelong is actually on lockdown right now as is much of the city of Melbourne, but you wonder what the optics of that would be like. Now it would be, it would be a, you know, a great story if the cats somehow found their ways, their way back to the, to the grand final and the league played the grand final at Cardinia park and Gary Ablett came back and was playing and not got to play in that grand final. That would be a terrific swan song, a terrific story, but I just don't know about the optics of that. If, you know, Victoria is basically shut down. Maybe they have to find another home for the, uh, 
for the grand final this year. Now, I got into a, a, a good discussion with uh, somebody in the middle of last week, and I kind of don't want to touch on this. And this was another article. And again, I, I, something that somebody, again, I'm, I'm, I'm going to mention uh, Gary Lyon again. He knows a lot more about the game than I do. And he and, and he and Tim Watson were, were discussing during a, uh, a radio broadcast about the possibility of the competition adding a player loan, loan program like they do in the different soccer leagues around the world, where if a team is short a player or two, that a team will loan a player to them to, to fill out their roster, to fill out their list, if you will. You know, he talked about the Swans, for example, who have been decimated by injuries. You know, and a lot of teams have, you know, got a lot of injuries. You have Fremantle has injuries. The Cats have a lot of injuries right now. But the Swans have kind of been focused in one area. You know, they're their forwards have been decimated. Their ruck position have been de- has been decimated as well. They they basically don't have a ruck right now. So he had argued that maybe a team would have a, a ruck that's playing, you know, that's the lower levels that would not be getting an opportunity to play and that they would be gaining game experience but playing with another club. Now, I'm not very familiar with soccer, so I don't really know how that works. Um, you know, I had, I, in fact, the same conversation I was having uh, with regards to soccer, I was, you know, we were talking about the different teams that play in Europe, and I said, "Well, I know that there's in uh, in the UK. I know there's a uh, a team that's in blue and a team that's in red. That that teams that that fans are really supportive of. Those are the two big teams, and I I think that they're Chelsea and Arsenal. And it turns out I was right on that. But I'm I'm not a soccer fan at all, so I wasn't positive on that. Um, which uh, I was talking to Rick Shibani from the LA dragons. And he, he kind of chuckled at that, but uh, you know, the, the loan program is interesting, but it got me thinking about something else. And I tossed out the idea to him. What about having a, you know, like they do in major league baseball in the United States. Like, and again, I am not trying to change this wonderful game that's been going on for 150 plus years. That's not why I'm here. But it's okay to toss ideas out there. But what if they had a, uh, a a trading period during the course of the season as the games are being played where, you know, a team, let's say that the Swans were, you know, they, they'd lost their rucks. Let's say that the, the, the forwards, let's say Isaac Heaney, Kennedy were still healthy, that, the, you know, Lance Franklin had been healthy all season, had been scoring goals for them, but they'd really been crippled at the ruck position. What's to say that they couldn't uh, go out and make a trade during the season with another team that might have a ruck who might be their number two or three, maybe their number three ruck that just can't, you know, that's a quality player but can't get a game because of the, the person or two that are ahead of them. And, or it could be a team that is, you know, in the, the point of where they're rebuilding and they might have a, a, a quality ruck but someone who, you know, when the rebuild is done and they're ready to compete again, might be of an advanced age that they might not be able to help out once the rebuild occurs. So it would in many ways be like a win-win where you know, let's just say that, you know, I'm going to say I'm going to use uh, North Melbourne right now. So let's say that North Melbourne decided to, to trade Todd Goldstein to the Swans if the Swans had only the ruck injury. 
well, North El- North Melbourne could then, you know, help to add more players to their upcoming draft by trading picks at that point in time or getting picks back from Sydney at that point in time. You know, you could argue that, you know, Adelaide, who, let's be honest, they are in rebuild mode right now. I think Hawthorne is rapidly approaching that as well. They just maybe haven't figured it out yet. But, you know, you look at the uh, you look at the Crows, for example. You know, once the, the rebuild is done there, you know, you've got, you know, Tex Walker, you've got Rory Laird, you've got the Crouch Brothers, you've got Tom Lynch, who are all still very solid players. But four years from now, when this rebuild is done and they've got these well-established 23 to 26, 27-year-old players who are ready to go compete for a premiership, those players are going to be on the wrong side of 30. So, you know, and again, I'm not, I'm not saying it should happen. I'm just saying that it's something to, you know, maybe just talk about, you know, if the, if the Crows were able to, to send Tex Walker to a club that needed somebody of, of his, you know, abilities playing in the forward 50, that they might be able to get back a first round draft pick from that team. And that team might need Tex Walker to win a premiership. They realize, you know, we need somebody in this position to help us right now. And we're willing to sacrifice that pick next year or the year after in order to get that player to help us win right now. That kind of thing happens in baseball here in the States all the time. It happens to a lesser extent in basketball. Basketball, since there are so few players, it's really difficult. And and because they have a hard salary, kind of a hard salary cap, you know, you have players that have such large cap figures or amounts of money they're being paid that they have to be able to match up the amounts. Uh, so, you know, a team that has a has no money available on the cap can't go acquire a player that's getting paid $20 million. They'd have to get rid of $20 million off of their roster. So they'd have to send that $20 million contract to somebody else. So, again, I'm not saying this would work, but it's something that might be beneficial to to the, the teams who are rebuilding to allow them to accelerate that, to, to have an infusion of younger players that, that might help them get better more quickly. Just something I'm tossing out there. I'd love to hear what you think about it. You know, shoot me a note, uh, you know, to yank on the footy at gmail.com. Leave me a comment on Twitter. I'd love to hear what your thoughts are on that. Now we're, we're in week two of the, uh, the saga going on with the Hawks, and uh, who knows what's going to be happening here. The team president, uh, Jeff Kennett, said that uh, early in the week that it's very likely that uh, Alistair Clarkson will not be with the club after his contract expires in 2022. But can you really say that about such a legendary coach? You know, he was was, uh, quoted as saying on 3AW, he said, we won't be sacking Clarko, and Clarko won't be sacking us. When the time comes, he and we will come to an agreed position, and I suspect that it will be at the end of this contract. So, sounds like, at the very worst, Clarko is going to be gone after the 2022 season. Are the Hawks going to mortgage the future? by trying to bring in veteran players to win more one more premiership while he's there are they going to to are they going to try to 
strike one more time and get him that medal before he rides off into the sunset. Which then that would, let's be honest, that would slow down the rebuild tremendously. Or they or are they going to allow him to be the the architect of this rebuild for a couple of years and then turn around and say, well, you know, we're two years into this rebuild, but we're going to let somebody else finish it now. If any of you have built a house before, have you changed contractors in the middle? You know, I, I, I don't know if I won't be shocked if uh, they work out some sort of an agreement where he steps down at the end of this year. Now, again, I'm not advocating that. I don't want that to happen. But if you go on the record and say, well, we're, we're kind of in rebuild mode and this coach probably won't be here after 2022, there's kind of a dichotomy there where you have to figure out, do we really want to, you know, shortchange our, our club by having somebody who's not long-term with us start this out? Again, I don't know the answer to that. Yeah, if you're a Hawthorne supporter, I would love to hear from you about this. So, you know, feel free to reach out. You know, is, yeah, is it worth two years of treading water to, to maintain that loyalty? And again, I don't know what's going to happen here. It's going to be a really interesting series of events. You know, this October, November, once this season wraps up, seeing what happens is going to be fascinating to watch. Now, back here in the States... Yeah, some of you follow sports here in the States more NFL than anything else, and and NBA, I should say, as well. And I think that's starting up here fairly soon, but I I haven't been following that all that closely. But the the long-awaited but abbreviated Major League Baseball season is going to be starting this week, about three and a half months late. So they never got the season off the ground as uh, as the AFL did. They shut it down and came back about two and a half, three weeks ago to have another training camp, if you will, before the season was going to start again. So each of the clubs right now are scheduled to play 60 games of their 162-game schedule. So 6 out of 16, that's what, uh, about 40% of the schedule. So it's a much more condensed schedule than I think what the players would like to have played, certainly what the, uh, the teams would have liked to have played. But they have put themselves in a position where right now they're saying that at the moment, there will not be any fans in the stadiums. So you're going to have these huge stadiums like we've seen in footy devoid of people. Now, I don't know if they'll start putting, you know, like the pictures and the cutouts and that sort of thing behind the the catcher. Um, But what has been interesting is that just yesterday, the Toronto Blue Jays, who play in Canada, of course, were told by the Canadian government, hey, guess what? you're not going to be allowed to play games in your home park this year in the the Rogers center, which is a huge retractable dome stadium, similar to, to Marvel stadium. But they were told a couple days before the season was supposed to start. Nope. You're not going to be able to play your 30 home games here. Figure out where you're going to play. They don't want to have the players coming in from the United States to play in their park and risk, you know, another outbreak of uh, COVID in Toronto. So the Blue Jays are scrambling, trying to find a place where they can play baseball this year. There's been talk about them playing uh, and sharing the Pittsburgh Pirates home park. Um, I think it's called PNC Park, but doesn't really matter. 
But then they've also talked about playing their home games in Buffalo at the park where the Blue Jays' top minor league team plays. Think about it being like uh, it being, you know, Collingwood's uh, VFL squad. Okay? That type of thing. So they'd be looking at them playing in that park. Now, this is a park that seats, I believe, well, doesn't really matter how many they seat because nobody's going to be there anyway. But it seats about twenty-five or 30,000 people during the course of a, uh, a regular game during a season when there's not a pandemic. So they may be playing at one of those two places, or they may just be nomads the entire season and go and visit the parks they were supposed to play. So when they went to go play the New York Yankees, and it was supposed to be a home game for them, that maybe they got to be the home team at Yankee Stadium or at Fenway Park when they played the Red Sox. Alrighty. Now, the NFL is supposed to be starting up this week as well. So I, I know there's a lot of NFL fans in Australia. But I hate to break the news to you. I don't know if there's going to be an NFL season. Um, it is mind-boggling what is going on because it doesn't seem as though there has been a lot of planning that's been happening. It, it, and maybe maybe the NFL has done a better job than Major League Baseball did of their contingency planning. Major League Baseball, it seemed that every negotiation back and forth was on the news immediately after it was proposed. And it made for a very ugly and tenuous argument between the two sides. Haven't heard a whole lot about this from the NFL, although they have... They have proposed cutting back the number of practice games from four to two. And now they're talking about it being cut back to even one. And uh, a couple weeks ago, I put together a, uh, a proposal in terms of what the NFL could do, kind of based upon what the AFL has done. Now, I'm not going to cover it here, but I went ahead and put it all into a Google Doc. I copied and pasted it into a Google Doc because I'd put it on another discussion board somewhere else. So I went back and found it on that discussion board and I copied it and I put it onto that Google Doc and I sh I put the Google Doc on my show notes and I have a link to it there. So if you want to look at that and see what my proposal was, again, I don't know anything, but I went ahead and tossed that out there, just my idea on maybe how the NFL could work. And I looked at it from just the vantage point of one conference or one division, I should say. I'm a Cleveland Browns fan, so I looked at it from the vantage point of the Browns, the Bengals, the Steelers, and the Ravens in terms of how this could work logistically. And again, I don't know if they're talking about these things, but if they are hoping to have a season, I think they better realize that they've got a lot of work to do still. And I talked to somebody else on Twitter the other day about this very thing, and I and I said that it was you know, amazing watching the players in the AFL make what, let's be honest, is a was a selfless decision to go back into hubs, to go for a longer period of time. Now there's going to be some, some reward from that, probably monetarily or in terms of, uh, you know, free agency or whatever the case may be, because there's going to be a little quid pro quo there. Real popular phrase here in the States recently. And uh, <laughs> the uh, the NFL hasn't talked about this at all, and I'm not. And you know, this reminds me ba uh, back to uh, reminds me about episode two of my podcast that I put out back in uh, early January, 
where I talked about how I thought that the, the AFL players were much more in sync with and receptive of the fans. Now, not this year, of course, than were players in the NFL. So, you know, I don't know if the NFL is going to figure this out. But here's to hoping that they get it figured out, that they have a season uh, that occurs. And to be completely honest with you, I think the NFL could learn quite a bit from the AFL. And let's hope that Roger Goodell has reached out to Gil McLaughlin to talk to him about what he has done. You know, you go back and, and look at how the uh, the NBA helped to really save the VFL. And that was a previous episode of mine. Uh, I don't remember which number it was, like episode six or something along that line. No, it wasn't seven, but it was right along those lines. It might, might have been a little bit after that, though. But let's see if the uh, NFL has a season. And this actually leads me into the question that, that showed up on the mailing list for this week. And this was from a Bulldog supporter here in the United States that's not named Frode. <laughs> and this person, and I'm going to read you the question. I'm going to kind of paraphrase it a little bit here. And he said, do you feel that footy has made inroads into the United States during COVID-19? He said, I think that maybe there's been a small uptick due to Pat McAfee's excitement about it on his podcast. I'd like to think it was maybe part of mine as well, but I'm a realist. Pat McAfee has has helped to sell this game to a lot of people because he has a huge audience. But he, as he said here, that, that that uptick in terms of interest has not been what he had hoped. And it's not to blame the league. You know, there's a huge time difference. Here on the East Coast of the United States or in the Eastern time zone, there's a 14-hour time difference. Melbourne is 14 hours ahead of us. So... This person is really bummed out, hoping that I can change their mind. You know, that they thought that people that they worked with, that they that they worked out with, would get excited about it. And he said that the only person that really got excited was somebody who likes to plays a bet now and then. And that person got excited about the game. Now, first of all, I don't know much about gambling or wagering, that sort of thing. I've, I've never been in a casino before. And in fact, I had a... Uh, I had somebody explained to me what a multi-bet was this week. It was an Essendon fan who had posted something on Twitter about it, and I asked them to explain it because I, I really didn't know what it was. I mean, I see the Allen Iverson commercials, but I really wasn't sure what those were. But, yeah, I think there was a bit of an uptick. I, I don't think it was as significant as maybe those of us who are hardcore fans would hope. You know, it's a lot like... Uh, it's a lot like finding a great television show that nobody else knows about. You know, it's uh, you know, discovering discovering a, a show that, that you realize is great or a fantastic movie that maybe isn't one that involves superheroes. You know, hey, you've really got to see this movie. This is a great film. This is a wonderful film. You need to watch it. We're, we're here in the States. We're all doing that with regards to the game of footy. You know, when, when I'm watching the games on television, I'm usually sitting there with uh, with Twitter opened up, and I'll see, and I'm not alone. You know, there are all sorts of people. There are people that are involved in the USAFL. There are lots of other American fans. We'll see somebody post a, a comment, and this would be great. Those of you that are listening in, in Australia, 
if you if you you know jumped on board with this as well if you're on Twitter it might help to grow the game here a little bit as well but you know one person makes a comment that wow I just discovered Australian rules football and I really love it this is a fantastic game and it's like it's like a uh, if you if you leave a little bowl with some sugar water in it and you leave it out on your patio for an hour and you you know, not even that long you leave it out there for a few minutes and you come back and it just has ants climbing all over it it's kind of the same thing that happens with these these new fans in uh, here in the United States and and you know it's, it none of it is hey what the hell took you so long or anything like that it's all hey if you've got any questions we're here to support you we're here to answer your questions you know this is a great game we're thrilled that you discovered it you know, so it's all, you know, trying to encourage people to be excited about it. You know, I think in a perfect world, the, you know, the opportunity with, with COVID, the opportunity has been there for us to be able to watch the games. Um, you know, ESPN getting back on board along with, you know, Fox Sports to, to broadcast more games. And again, there were seven games on here this week in the U.S. The time is definitely an issue. Now, I've had a, a handful of people who have started to watch the game, but it, it's not going to be a, a huge, significant jump all at once. It's going to be something that takes takes time. And and maybe we might be out of time right now because of the fact that, uh, that Major League Baseball is coming back on in uh, just another handful of days. But again, if you're craving live sports... You know, you can DVR it. You know, I, I I find the game, you know, infinitely more exciting and interesting than I do soccer. As I mentioned earlier this episode, I'm not a soccer fan at all. So, you know, just if we can if, if we can just get people in the door, if you if you want to put it that way, and get them to you know get them to to notice what it is and to realize here's what this game is. Yeah, you know, for some it's going to be a novelty, but for others they might go, "Holy crap, where has this been all my life?" Which was kind of what my reaction was a few years ago when I when I fell in love with the game. So you know, I I don't know if I've really answered your question very well. Um, maybe once COVID nineteen is resolved, and you know, I don't know if that's this year. Hopefully, it's next year, and you know, the season begins in 2021 you know if you've become a fan don't hesitate to invite that that friend of yours over to watch a game on you know on the dvr or if you have the watch afl app to bring them over to what you know to sit down and you know have a burger have a couple of beers whatever the case may be to develop that growth that that enjoyment of the game you know to allow it to, to grow organically you know we can't you know, we can't shake, you know, grab somebody by the lapels of their jacket and shake them and say, you must love this game now. That's going to turn them off from it. We have to let them see it. And hopefully, hopefully, that there were a lot of very bored sports fans in the United States craving sports that sat down to watch the Carlton and Port Adelaide game because that game was fascinating. It was a great game. Heck, in fact, this morning's game, 
the uh, St. Kilda and Adelaide game this morning was a great contest. It was a great contest. Adelaide fought valiantly. It was great to see, you know, tens of thousands of fans back in the stands. Adelaide's in a rebuild. They've got some injuries as well. But they played significantly better than I've seen them in a couple of the other games that I've watched this year. So we just have to build this, you know, slowly, this excitement, this interest, this interest in the game. And hopefully we're able to hold that interest. Now, if the NFL does not end up happening, then later in the season we get into September, we get into the uh, the finals, there may be an opportunity to, to latch on to those fans who are craving that type, that type of action and bring them into our game, into this game. Now, a number of college football conferences have canceled their seasons here in the United States already. I don't know what's going to happen. You know, I work as an announcer for a high school football team where I teach. As far as I know, right now, the season is still happening. That may change. We may find out that, you know what, we're not actually having the season after all. But again, there's nothing official on that. There's nothing being talked about. Well, I'm sure there's something being talked about, just not with us. And I, I wonder what's going to, you know, what's going to happen with this. And we shall see. Now, before I uh, I wrap up and go into the tips for this week, you know, very sad news today about the passing of the longtime Richmond Tigers, Shane Tuck. And, uh, you know, it's tragic. He was 38 years old. Um, left behind a wife and family. You know, none of us know or should speculate what transpired, you know, I don't want to speculate. I did notice that during a number of the little news blurbs that I saw online or the articles that I saw online about his passing, that they were putting the um, contact information for Lifeline or Beyond Blue on there. And uh, I went ahead and put those numbers in the show notes as well, as well as the equivalent here in the United States. Um, so thoughts and prayers with his family. Very sad to see that. Now, I do want to get into the tips for this week. And uh, again, folks, please don't rely on me. Although I did finish strong. I started out terribly this weekend. Okay, I started out. I got six out of nine right, which is not bad. I missed on I missed on Essendon. I missed on Geelong, of course, again, and I missed on Carlton. Yes, I was one of those people that actually picked Carlton to knock off Port Adelaide, and I was almost right on that one. You know, it's uh, the way I go about picking the games. It's it's almost like just throwing you know cooked spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks. It's you know the old the old wives' tale about uh, that's how you tell whether or not the spaghetti's done is if it sticks to the wall. No. Not the whole pot, like one noodle. Uh, <laughs> now, again, I wanted to thank that that Bombers uh, fan for explaining to me what a multi-bet was. And I, you know, I'd, I'd seen them advertised on television, and I thought, yeah, well, you have all these things. There were like 16 things on there. You've got to have 16 things go right. And he told me, he said, no, this is only, you only have to have 10 of these things happen. So, well, that's, of course, doable. So, uh, but that was really uh, good to hear about that. You know, I, I, I've never 
placed a bet like that before in my of any kind. I bought a few lottery tickets here in the state of Ohio in my lifetime, but other than that, I, I've not done any gambling or anything of that nature. So these are purely for entertainment purposes. So the first game of the weekend, I've got I've got the Bulldogs beating the Suns by 10 points. You know, even though the next game I'm going to talk about is a, a rematch of the, the, the grand final from last year, I think this might be one of the two games of the week. You know, I had a really tough time picking against Gold Coast because they've become an exciting club to watch. And uh, it's going to be great to see that entire contingency of players back on the field together next year. But, you know, the Bulldogs, they've got too much experience. They're playing very well. I think they're able to put that together and knock off the Suns by 10 points this week coming up. The next game is Richmond and GWS. Somebody has to score in this game, don't they? Somebody's got to score some points. I've got I've got Richmond winning this one by eight points. Um, it's a grand final rematch. You know, I think that the point differential is going to be much closer this week than the finals were last year. But I think that the uh, Tigers are going to be able to grind out a very close victory. And I don't know what's going on with GWS, but they seem to be in kind of a funk. They've really struggled to score points. And they might be the most talented team in the competition, but they've really struggled. Granted, they were missing Toby Green this past week. And supposedly he's going to be back this week. But they they don't look like the free-flowing, fast, fun team that they've looked like for most of last year and even parts of this year. You know, if they can figure out how to improve their tempo, then I may be wrong on this one. And they may be they may be beating Richmond by eight points. Because Richmond has a lot of injuries that they're dealing with as well. Now the next game is Carlton and North Melbourne. And I've got the uh I've got the Blues winning this one by 20 points. It may be more, but I, I went ahead and went with 20. I tried to stay in that that uh, that range there. Now, the Kangaroos, they're in disarray. And they're struggling you know, to really sort, put forth any kind of offense. They're really struggling to score points. And you know, Ben Brown is, is really struggling to get himself integrated, um, to get himself scoring consistently, you know, and I think even if he has a monster game, I don't know if uh, North Melbourne has enough to beat Carlton. I think Carlton is a much more talented club right now. And, you know, again, had the power been able to put through one of those three shots before Robbie Gray's goal, you know, the Blues might not have had to, to wait for that. You know, they're playing pretty good footy right now. And you know, if you're a Blues fan, you've got to be excited. You have to be really excited about it, Okay. And uh, I think that, that the game yesterday was an absolute heartbreaker for them. But they're playing with confidence that I don't think they've been playing with for a number of years. So, you know, I think David Teague has to be commended for that. This team is definitely one that is on their way up. Okay, and I'm, I'm very impressed by that. Now, Sydney and Hawthorne. I have Sydney winning this one by nine points. Now, as I was typing this up last evening before I was going to record this, I initially had the Hawks winning this one. But as I got to the point, this point on the list, I went ahead and decided to flip it over to the Swans. And the Hawks are really having a difficult time scoring. They're having a hard time scoring points. And yeah, I think that even you know, the, the most patient 
Hawk supporter out there has to just be shaking their head in disbelief in terms of what they're seeing. And maybe they're realizing, yeah, we're up for, we're up for, and we're due for a rebuild. But the Swans, you know, they, we talked about this already in this episode, they've been hammered by injuries, but they are playing hard. They're playing hard very much like Adelaide did yesterday or this morning for me. Um, but, you know, I, I think that, you know, that with their youth, they're going to be able to, you know, to have enough energy to go ahead and knock off the Hawks. Now, again, the Hawks could certainly win this game. I'm not saying they don't have a shot at all. But I think that these young swans, they had a lot of tempo. They had a lot of uh, excitement. And I think that's going to be enough to help push them over against the uh, against the Hawks. Now, Port Adelaide and St. Kilda. Port Adelaide is becoming a juggernaut. And they're finally home again. They're finally going to be at the Adelaide Oval, and they're going to get a shot to play in front of their fans. And you know those fans are going to be excited. Okay, and this team has got to be sky high. Now, of course, they could be up for a letdown there. But, uh, you know, I don't think you're going to have to wait till the final horn to win this one. Okay? And I've got Port Adelaide winning this one by 12 points over the, uh, over the Saints. You know, the Saints dropped a heartbreaker last week. They came back this week and uh, yeah, pulled away at the end against a, a valiant Crows team. You know, the Crows are not ready to compete with, you know, everybody in the league yet, but they fought hard this morning. So, you know, more power to them. They're, they've got they've got wins coming around the corner here if they keep playing hard like they did. It was great to see Tex Walker play the way he did. Um which leads me into this game, the next one here, Essendon and Adelaide. And I've got Essendon winning this one by about 15 points. You know, the Crows are playing their second game back at the Oval. The Bombers are going to want to uh, get back on the winning side after uh, getting hammered pretty good by the Bulldogs this past week. And when the Bombers are playing well, they can compete with just about anybody. And I fully expect them to play well this week, and I think they're going to do enough to... uh, to get a win over the uh, the developing Crows, so by about 15 points there. Now, West Coast and Collingwood. Now, I don't want to sound like a sore loser, but was I the only one watching the game last week, the Pies and Cats game, that felt a little uncomfortable about uh, Jordan DeGoey playing? And uh, if you hadn't seen Caroline Wilson's comments, she just went off on him and could not understand why he was playing in the game this past week. Now, of course, he injured his hand. is going to be out for, for several weeks now. But, you know, I, I would have been, as a Cat supporter, I would have been perfectly content had, you know, Brody Majacek or Adam Trelore or Will Hoskin Elliott, you know, kicked five or six goals against us. I just, it just, with what has supposedly transpired, and I know he's, you know, innocent until proven guilty, but it was just, you know, it was really strange to see him, you know, back out there playing, you know, but uh, I have West Coast winning this one by seven points this week. Okay. You know, I think that they're going to miss to in the lineup. They've got one more week with side bottom out and he'll be back the following week. And I just think that the Eagles midfield 
is just, you know, is the class of the league. And I think they're going to have a, uh, they're going to have a very good day. Now, let's be honest, the Magpies play defense better than just about anybody in the competition. So there's a possibility that, you know, the Pies are able to win this game. I'm not saying that, again, I'm not saying that this is an impossibility. That's why I have it as seven points. I think it's going to be a very close game. The Pies certainly could win this one. This could very much be one of the ones that I get wrong, but, you know, they're going to have to keep that midfield out of the uh, offensive 50. And if they do that, then uh, they might win this one. But I think it's going to, if, if, if Collingwood wins this one, it's going to be a low-scoring contest. Okay, we're down to our last two games of the week. Brisbane and Melbourne. And Melbourne has kind of gotten up off the, the mat and has fought back and won the last couple of games. But I've got Brisbane winning this one by 18 points. You know, the D's have won two in a row. Christian Petrak is playing fantastically well. You know, they shut down the Hawks. I just don't see them getting their third victory in a row here because Brisbane is just playing with such a high level of confidence and focus. And they might just be the team to beat in the competition this year. They don't have a lot of flaws in their 22. And let's be honest with you, I think that uh, I think that the, the, the players on this team would run through a wall for Chris Fagan. You know, the Saints have, the Saints have gravitated towards Brett Ratton. The Blues have really bought in with David Teague. The Power have rallied certainly around their embattled coach, Ken Hinckley. But I think there's a, a genuine love affair with Chris Fagan and the Brisbane list. You know, he, he just just seems to be such a genuinely good guy. So I think that Brisbane wins this one by 18. Um, you know, I, I, I think they're going to come out on top on this one. I feel pretty confident about this one. And then the last game, the Cats and the Dockers. And I have the Cats winning this one by six points. This is going to be a close game. There's a lot of injuries on both sides. If you look at the Cats list, they've got arguably what could possibly be eight of their 22 out injured or missing, as the case may be. They've got some good talent waiting in the wings, but how do you replace 650 games of experience? Is Nat Fife going to be back this week? I know he uh, had, has still had some issues with his hamstring. He may be out another round. So, you know, where the Dockers going to find their scoring? You know, I, I think that this is a, uh, a game that uh, the Dockers could win. They're playing at home in front of their fans. But I think the Cats, you know, have to play a completely different style than they did, you know, last week. You know, they're, gonna, they're really going to have to bring the game to the Dockers, be more exciting, be more active, run more, I think, in order for them to win. We shall see what happens with that. So there's my tips for the week, folks. Again, please don't rely on me to place any wagers that you may be placing, okay? You know, all I do is, you know, fiddle around with my super coach team and my fantasy team on the AFL.com.au site. So I, uh, and I probably have too many Geelong players on that one. I haven't looked at my scores for this week. But, ladies and gents, don't forget that while you can find all the episodes of this podcast at a yankonthefooty.podbean.com, 
You can also find it on your favorite podcast provider. And now that you've listened, as I mentioned earlier in the show, I hope you'll consider giving a review on the Apple Podcast. Let's me know what I'm doing well, what I need to work on. You can also reach me by email at yankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can reach me at Twitter at yank underscore on, as well as on Facebook and Instagram at yankonthefooty. I'd like to thank Mr. Joseph McDade for the use of a couple pieces of his great music, Backplate and Elevation. You can find Mr. McDade's music at josephmcdade.com slash music. Again, sir, thanks for the, your hard work and the use of your wonderful music. Again, I hope if you uh, go to the show notes and you will consider filling out that email form, I'd love to get you on the list. Ladies and gents, I want to thank you for tuning in for episode 34. A lot of interesting topics going on this week. And uh, keep in mind, you know, we got to still be looking out for each other. You know, we're all fans of our teams, and deep down, we're fans of the game that we all love, and that's footy. And for those of you who are in the States or in Canada, don't forget that Australian rules football, it's why they invented the DVR. And again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so very much for listening. I ask you to consider sharing the podcast with your friends and family. And may your dribble kick never hit the post. I'll catch you later. This has been episode 34 of A Yank on the Footy. Don't forget that you can reach me at yank underscore on or at ayankonthefooty at gmail.com. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook at a yank on the Footy. Again, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for listening. Until next time, goodbye.